two village idiots with a love-hate relationship. See, you got fat. So you still look like a 15-year-old girl, but not hot. Who can't stop arguing over Oklahoma sports. You know what, man? Why am I still talking to you? Come on, we were doing good there, man. It's the Just Okay Sports Podcast. Sooner Nation, Thunder Nation, we are back. This is the Just Okay Sports Podcast. That is just Oklahoma Sports Podcast as well as just an okay podcast. So if you like average things, please like, subscribe, follow, come along for the ride. Leave us a five-star review and a comment. It would help us tremendously. We would appreciate it. And it would just lift our self-esteem greatly. So I'm one of your village idiots, Cyril, and I'm here with my brother, Jared. How are we, sir? Uh, it's 2024 now. Crazy. Uh, yeah, wild. Um, so yeah, no, I'm good. I didn't really do anything. It was weird. Everybody I talked to was like, "Yeah, I'm not really doing anything." I was like, "Am I? Have I reached the point of being so old that even all my friends are so old that they don't want to do anything?" <laughs> I had one friend I think that I talked to, and he's even younger than me, and he was like, he went to like Vegas or something. Um, but I was like, "Yeah, I didn't do it. I, nobody I knew who didn't." Here's the thing, man. But here's the thing. It's because of all those young years of trying to do something. And then you just go, this is dumb. Like, this is like, there's nothing cool about New Year's Eve. Like, yeah, there's just not. Like, no matter how hard you try to make it awesome, it's like, I'm tired. Uh, like, I have to go to work in another day or so. Like, uh, yeah, we just stayed up really late. That's really all we did. Like, yeah, uh, I'm good. Yeah, I don't really like I've, you know, it's like whatever, like New Year's. I, I don't know. It's always cracking up because people like have like I know so many people that are like, oh, man, New Year's comes and I'm going to like that diet's going to finally. And I'm like, it does. Nothing changes. You know, <laughs> like nothing changes. Um, so I always find that a little funny. But yeah, no, it was uh, it was good. I mean, I just hung out and, um, you know, spent time uh, just chilling, relaxing, which is yeah. needed sometimes. So. Um, but how was things uh, back in Oklahoma? Uh, yeah, it was all good. We were saying we laid low, kind of chilled, and uh, my wife's car broke down again. So, yeah. Oh, I did not, actually and, did not know that. And got it fixed, got it back today, and I think what we fixed is not what's wrong with it. So there's still something in there that's not working. So I, I don't know. It's it's you're having, uh, a, you're having a time. I'm having a time with the car. Yeah, you yeah. know, she may just need to be put out to pasture. I don't know, but um maybe maybe we can get like Landers or somebody to sponsor the show. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, considering uh, that like Braden Willis was out like, begging for a car on their podcast, I don't mm, think yeah, I don't think they're calling us up anytime <laughs> soon. But Landers, yeah. if you want to, I I would be very I'd be very grateful. Johnson's of Kingfisher. Uh, you, yeah, you do or, the sports or, animal or, stuff. Jump on the Just Okay Sports or, podcast, or just, or just Bob's used car and tire shop. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. whoever. Uh, we, we we'll take whatever. So we'll take whatever. So speaking of take whatever, uh, the Sooners had to take their talents to the Alamo Bowl um, this year after dropping two games that they definitely should not have lost. But either way, it was a great matchup. Arizona was a team that was on a hot streak, um, longest uh, one of the longer win streaks uh, on the season. Uh, for teams going through as they finish the season off with seven. They were at six wins going to the game. Sooners lose the game 38-24. I know that it's been several days ago, but we have not potted since. Just really quick, uh, not only losing, by the way, 38-24, but also losing the turnover battle 6-1. to one. 
uh, was the Sooner. So, Jared, kind of your overall thoughts. Let's go, like always, bad and good, but just kind of your overall thoughts on the game just in general. I Look, um, honestly, the defense played pretty lights out. Um, you know, there was the first drive. Look, look for people that – let me start off by saying this. Arizona may be the best offense we faced this season. Um, at least, at least a top, top three defense that we faced this season, right? Uh, McMillan and uh, I'm not even gonna their quarterback's name, Fafita. Um, yeah, like dude, absolute animals. Um, so, but I thought the defense played lights out. So, um, but yeah, I mean, till the end there, but yeah, I mean, the 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 negative is the offense felt real sloppy. And really, even really, honestly, both sides felt, felt real sloppy at times. Um, you I feel know, like there was, early the defense did. The second and third quarter, I don't know that you can play better defense. Yeah, no, 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 100%. But then in the fourth quarter, we got back to... But again, that makes a little sense with the six turnovers to me, yeah. right? Like, I, I don't... I'm not trying to, like, come... But, like, when you just keep getting put back on the field and back on the field and back on the field, I mean, like... And I know yeah, the time six, of possession wasn't, like crazy different but i mean mentally and emotionally you go three and out you get off the field oh, no other turnover right like well it's 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 yeah i mean it, like i said the fourth quarter you could just see that they were worn out you could just see um you know it, it just they were drained at that point so yeah i mean but again like you got to clean some stuff up the offense didn't look there was like the first quarter the the defense was having trouble getting set the defense had trouble with its assignments you know uh the offense was the same way you could see you know, I've actually gone back and watched a little bit of the first quarter. Uh, well, first and second quarter. <clears throat> and um, you can see on the first quarter, it's like it looks like guys don't know what their site, like what their route is or what their assignment specifically is. And so you could see guys that kind of weren't um, just from playing clean, I guess is how you would say that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, again, to go back to the good. Defense, I thought, played lights out for half the football game. And they shut down an offense that has been potent mm -hmm. uh, all season. And I really like to see uh, them dialing up some pressure and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and then, uh, like I said, I, I, uh, the defensive line. I'm just going to give a shout to the defensive line because a lot of us had question marks there. I thought the defensive line was getting after it. Yeah. Um, I know yeah. that they were bringing pressure from linebackers and corners and stuff that helps them a little bit, but there was still times dude, Bothroyd and uh Poe uh, I mean RMT had some yeah. some good pressures in the game. And there um, and it was just and it was funny watching it because it was like it was almost frustrating because I know Arizona's <clears throat> as good as their offense is their their offensive line is not some juggernaut, right? Mm -hmm. Um but they were just dismantling them for Really, almost for three quarters of the game, right, right. Um, and that it was just it's such a dominant performance, and I wish that we'd see that. It's 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 frustrating because I it's like, are we? You know, it was like kind of the same thing last year we talked about, right, mm -hmm. with Florida State after the Cheese Bowl. We were like, yeah. dude, OU's OU played really well, yeah. And then coming into the season, it's like we we didn't really keep that momentum. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, in a lot of areas. So anyway, but though that's not good and bad, I guess. So what should we give yeah. me yours? Um, I would say the bad was just I I would really say the bad is just offense. Um, you know, and I've heard several other people, we're not saying anything new, 
look in all three losses this year, you go back and you watch and you go, the offense let us down. The the defense played more than good enough to win this game. And I know that sounds crazy giving up 38 points, but again, like two of your turnovers are when you're getting ready to score, right? And then seven of those points are because of the offense, right? It's a it's a pick six, fumble six, whatever you want to call it. Um, so seven points comes out of that. I mean, just the defense played more than good enough to win the game, and the offense just could not overcome it. So um I look and I I'm with you as far as even adding on to that. I didn't think Seth Latrell called a bad game. I don't think that's the right way to to say it, but it felt weird. Um, it felt very pass happy um to me, especially early on. Uh and I, I hope that that's a excuse me, that that's something that changes um as he gets to install more of his offense, you know. Um you know, listening to guys that really know ball, you know, apparently a huge number of those plays were run pass options um, yeah. throughout the night. So, I mean, I don't know that you can really put it on Seth that he was pass happy. Maybe Jackson was pass happy. I don't know um, how they call that and how they do that. So that's kind of the bad. The The good is definitely the defense. Um, over, I'd say two goods. The, the two goods I walked away with, this defense can be really, really good uh, because they were – outright dominant for two full quarters and really probably more like two and a half. Um, if they get any kind of offensive help at all, that game should have been a blowout by the end of the third quarter. If they could just stop turning the ball over and the other good I liked, and I know that we'll get into this in a minute is Jackson Arnold. So before I get into the details of that, cause I'm rambling too long, let's talk about Jackson Arnold. He did go 26 of 45 for 361, two touchdowns, three interceptions, uh, technically really, four interceptions, but whatever. Um, and he also had a fumble in the game. So what were your overall thoughts watching Jackson in the game? And are you concerned or super excited or in the middle afterwards? I mean, um, I'll go doom. I'll go doom first. Just because <laughs> I've apparently been accused of being a sunshine pumper by some. Um <clears throat> I think that the there's some concerns I have because I do think watching it back, it does look like nearly every play was like a run pass option. Right. So I think a lot of the pass happiness may have fallen more on Jackson than Seth Luttrell. Right. Now, right. Saying, saying that, um, it, it's just, it's one of those things of, I don't know if he wants to be, um, like you got to run the ball, right? So like, there's got to be, and maybe that's just Latrell trying to give him, you know, those reps to to help him build that confidence going yeah. either way. But just a strange uh, thing I felt like, just because he he seems to be such a team first guy, and he's been so pro OU and such a everybody's talked about how he's such a good teammate and worker. So I, you know, I that like would be my worst case scenario is that he really is just a guy that wants to be the highlight reel. I don't think that's the case. Um, but regardless of that, I do think Jackson looks better than the stat line shows. Mm -hmm. um, I think he made some really dumb decisions. Uh, that first that first interception is just that's on Jackson, right? Yeah. Uh, the second one, that's just a delay. Uh, you know, if he throws that ball a second earlier, then it's probably, you know, uh, 
not picked off or it's a fight for the ball. You know, it was just, again, it was one of those hesitation things that they can hopefully, you know, that's one of those things you can work out. Um, and then of course you had the Farouk stuff that really didn't help him. Um, <clears throat> now the positive when the ball leaves Jackson Arnold's hands, it's different. Yeah, it is. I, I yeah. know, and, it, and like <laughs> I know, people are gonna like. I know other fan bases would listen to this and be like, "We all said that about Spencer." It's like, look, Spencer. I'm not gonna deny when the ball yeah. left Spencer's hand, it looked different. Yeah, and when when the ball left Caleb's hand, it looked different. Right? There's no slight. This isn't a slight at DG, but DG has limitations in his game. Right. The ball does not look like that when it leaves Jack or Dylan Gabriel's hands. Right. Um. And again. Not trying to shame DG or anything. I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. But again, he has to play within the limits he has. When Jackson throws the ball, he's got that. Like there was a the the long pass play was I think it was to Nick. It was like even the one that he missed. It's like, dude, it he threw that ball like 40, 50 yards down the field. And it just like he flicked it. Well, the Brennan yeah. Thompson throw, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good lord. Yeah. It's uh so yeah, I think that he's got the tools. Um, and then we all we saw his mobility. Yeah. Right. Uh so that's you know, it was we were kind of joking about that. And it's like I really had kind of forgotten until we were talking about in the Discord. The services had him rated as a pocket passer at first, and they had to change him to a mobile quarterback <laughs> because he had so many rushing yards in high yeah. school. Um but yeah, I mean, I know it would be very easy to look at the stat line and say, man, three interceptions is not good against two touchdowns. But it's like, I really think that those are things that if he's going to have that sort of game, let's have it in a bowl game. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. and I said this, I said this adamantly before, and I'll, I'll continue to say it. This was a lose-lose game for OU. And you really, when you watch the game and you look back to when we were all present at the game, or, you know, present in the moment of the game, it was. Like, when OU was ahead, it's like, okay, well, OU's doing what OU should do. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as Arizona got on top, then it was, well, look, OU's a disappointment. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it didn't matter. Like, if OU had won by 60 to whatever, people would have been like, well, it should have happened. Right? Yeah. Um. So, anyway, I, I think Jackson is great. I'm I'm high on him. And like I said, I think if they give him an offseason, uh, then I would love to see uh, what he can do, you know, in the spring and then come next season. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, and again, I don't I don't think we're gonna say anything that anybody else hasn't already said. The number one thing, and we already knew this, but it was fun to see it a whole game. Watching him throw the ball is different. It is very now Jamarcus Russell looked really different throwing a football and was not not very good. Um Josh Rosen looked very different throwing a football, and I don't think he was very good, right? So just because you have tools, right, doesn't mean you're a great quarterback. And I think we agree with that. But I would also say, like, for example, the throw to Stoops on the first one, while I agree with you, um, I felt like that was a speed of the game learning moment. I thought both the first two actually were, right? Because yeah, exactly. Drake is open. But the, the problem is, is you have a safety over the top that's not necessarily covering Drake, right? And and Arizona plays a lot of man to man, and it was man to man coverage, man to man cover too, right? They had two safeties back on that one. That safety drives down on the ball, and in high school, you know what? He could just flick that ball on that RPO and dip it to to Stoops, right? 
and he's going to catch the ball and get tackled. And all of a sudden he flips it. And all of a sudden it was kind of like, holy crap, that guy got there. Like how, you know? So I think that was a learning moment. And then again, cover two, he tries to throw it in the window at, you know, in between the safety and, uh, in the corner right there in that little pocket that's open in cover two. And he waited, like you said, waited a click too long and the safety made it all the way across and got there. And it's like, dang, I think his anticipation just needs to grow. And that's going to come with time and comfort. And that's the other thing you could tell. You could tell that Arizona schemed, which is amazing. Think about this. They schemed towards Drake Stoops. Yeah, They knew Drake Stoops was the safety blanket on that team. And they were going to make sure that he was taken away more than anybody else, which is just that I love that. I love it for Stoops. I hate it for how it came out. Now, the other side of that and the positive is second, third quarter, Jackson R looked amazing. The roll to the left to throw. The, heck, the dot he throws to Jaleel Farouk on the one he fumbles, uh, like what, inside the 10-yard the line or so? Dot, right? I mean, just he was making some throws that were amazing. So well, two straight that. picks in your first seven plays, and he comes back, and I think, what did he go, like 12 of 13 or something insane at one point um, in the game? Well, Dude, and that, I was going to say, his pocket presence, that's something we didn't talk about. There was the yep. play where the dude's going to basically, I, I had him dead to rights, and Jackson was able to just, and the, the, yeah. the crazy thing about him is, and of course it's hard to see what's going on inside the helmet, but he would have pressure and he would just you know roll out of it or step out of it. And there wasn't yeah. like, you didn't see him ever. I never felt like I saw him get those happy feet where, yeah. you know, you'll see guys that, that roll out of that situation and then they're just tapping their feet, just trying to get the ball out as quick as they could. He would just roll out and just yeah, plant his feet and get ready to throw. Like, yeah. Now at the same time, him holding the ball for nine seconds, you can't do. Yes. That's you either need to throw the ball away or run period. Like, and especially on RPO plays. And that was, you know, going back and watching it, I was highly critical of the line during the game because of all the holding penalties and different things. But I mean, you really go back and watch a lot of those holding penalties and it's him dancing around the pocket for six seconds and guys going, holy crap, he didn't run and he didn't hand it off. Like I got what, you know, and then they're grabbing a dude to, to protect it. Yes. No, go ahead. Just finish your thought. I just have a thought after you're done. Okay. Uh, and so he can't do that. He, he set them behind the chains about three or four times in that game, either taking the sack or getting a holding penalty that backed them up. And again, it's okay to live to another down, right? You would rather be second and 10 than first and 20, right? So, or second and 17. If it's not there, trust your legs. Go do what you could do. Like, be it's, Lamar it's, Jackson. It's, look look at Baker Mayfield his first year at OU. It was the same thing, really, yeah. honestly. Like, remember, there was times we argued, is he holding on to the ball too long? Is he trying to do too much? And there was times that he would get, you know, he would go... Uh, get sacked behind the the line of scrimmage or whatever, and it puts you in a bad situation. So, but my point also, just a quick side note: Did you see the stat about the first half of the game? No. OU had more holding penalties called in its favor oh, in yes. the first half of the of the Alamo Bowl than it did the last two years. Yeah. In the Big Twelve Conference. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, and, and and to say that, and again, to say that, and honestly, I felt like they missed a lot. Like, there was a lot of, like, that's what the other thing about the D-line, again, going back to them, and just the guys in general, is 
they were getting held nearly every play. Um, well, so. sure. That's yeah. I didn't think there there was one that was pretty egregious that was missed, but outside of that, I thought it was a well officiated. Yeah, no, game. it was it wasn't bad, but no yeah. complaints there. So all I'd say, I I still have belief in Jackson Arnold. Now, let's see if he makes the step. Now, what yeah. I feel good about is this: I did not feel like any of his interceptions were just terrible, forcing the ball into a bad situation. Right, like every. Every throw he made that was an interception was to the right guy in the right spot, just late or kind of lazy, right? And again, I'm sure there's still an adjustment. Look, when you have an arm that big, I imagine you spend basically four years of high school not throwing the ball as hard as you can because your guys just can't catch it, right? He can now, and he needs to know that he can. Um and so I feel like some of those things are fine. But, dude, to, to see him battle back and keep his head up and play as well as he did after that incredibly terrible start was awesome. Now, right. vocal leadership, all those things, those are the things that I, I'm not sure about. Like, for instance, after the first Farouk fumble, it needs to be Jackson Arnold going to Jaleel Farouk and going, hey, you're okay. You're good. Like, I'm coming back to you and you're going to make great plays, Right. And maybe that kind of happened on the sideline, but it didn't really happen on the field. And that's that kind of alpha mentality I think he needs to gain. But that's that'd be my only thing. So, I mean, overall, defense gave me lots of hope. If you can find an offensive line for Jackson Arnold, this offense could be lethal next year. Could be lethal. Um, so we'll see. So coming out of the game, done with the season, 10-3, and three, which, by the way, kudos to you yet again. Troy and I were at the 9-3 and three for the regular. You were 10 and 2, so we we kind of all split, right? We got to our third loss that we were predicting. It just came very differently. Uh, but still, I thought it was a good improvement on the year, taking steps forward. You got to really hope you take a big step next year going to the SEC. So with that, this is the new year. It's 2024. So I thought, Jared, I'd give you an opportunity to give the Oklahoma Sooners their New Year's resolutions for this year. I'm going to do the same as well. A New Year's resolution for the defense, New Year's resolution for the offense, and one for the coaches, at least one for each, right? At least one New Year's resolution for each. Oh, man. The defense is, like, way tougher to do for me because the defense was the strength of this team all season, Um, you know, or at least from 90% of it. Um, Okay, I'm going to give it to the the defense. Um, Defense, I want you to stay aggressive, but I need you to improve your coverage. Uh, your coverage ability because if I'm being honest, uh, one of my critiques of the game is, and, and we're going to talk about him in a little bit. Woody, Wush- Woody Washington got cooked most of that game, yeah. Um, so and not, not just beat, he got made to look silly, yeah. Um, so you know, really, really tough there. But like I said, keep your aggressive nature, uh, and ensure that up, you know, get your secondary, get your secondary guys to where. Uh, they can do some more blanket coverage. Just get back to where you were, because it's like we saw Woody be great in the uh, either the really even through the middle of the year, and then it just kind of fell off. The you know really honestly, like I said it, and second half of the season wasn't good for him. Um, and a and lot of the guys in the second that's kind of been the story for Woody though, hasn't it? Yeah, like it feels like every year there's about three to four games where Woody is just like, what happened? Like what's going on? Are you hurt? Are yeah. are you sick? Like what? And then the rest, it's like, dude, the guy is locked down. Um, yeah. And that's the 
dude, if he if he comes over that hill to being that guy 10 out of 11 weeks, he's going to have a great career in the NFL. Yeah, he's oh, he, I was going to say he he I mean, Texas, he was shut down. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was But that's the problem. This is the third year of him doing okay, exactly me, what you're let saying me, let me of change, having a, a stretch of ball where he is not very good. Okay, let me change my let me change my resolution for the defense real quick and I'll move to offense. <laughs> the defense be more consistent across the board. Uh, because we've seen yeah. every position group on defense, while uh, the defense overall has been the strength, there's games where the D-line disappears. There's games even where the linebackers, who are probably our best group on defense, have disappeared. Um, and again, the secondary. So just be more consistent. <clears throat> um, offense, um, keep doing what you're doing, um, but... Also, be be more aggressive, but really try to run the ball more, mm. right? Um, and, and establish a back. That's what I really want to see from the offense: is establish a running back in in this uh, in your stable. Because now you know Towie Walker is now a Badger. Mm-hmm. Um, he has gone to the left the portal, which I'm happy for him. Got a scholarship. That's great. Great, uh, great spot landing, for him too. Great landing spot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, Gavin Sawchuk seems to have asserted himself as a very potential candidate for that. So just establish that, get aggressive, but keep to the run and give us a running back because I feel like that was a big reason why the offense sputtered out at times. So, um, and then coaches, again, kind of the same thing. Be aggressive. We saw an, we saw a very aggressive defense called against Arizona. Right, We saw a lot of blitzes, a lot of stunts, a lot of twists, a lot of, you know, they were throwing a lot of stuff at him. I, I agree <laughs> with me. I'm sorry. Um, and, um, you know, you also just need to, I, I, the other thing is let's just have a talk about playing the best players, right? Like I understand Gavin Freeman's a workout freak. I understand that he's this guy. It's like, why did we still look, we talked about it. How do we not see Petaway on the field? Mm-hmm. How do you not, how do you not in the bowl game that, you're doing all this experimentation anyway. We don't see Petaway return one punt. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think he played. He played some snaps. Yeah, he played but... some snaps. But like again, you didn't didn't really do it. I think they had that little uh, reverse where they faked to him or something like that. Yeah. But again, don't like let's play our best players. I I understand the 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 love for Gavin Freeman in some in some sense, but let's just play the best players. Um. And again, be aggressive with with your play calling on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, defense, I'm going to go a little different route. I was going to, if you'd asked me before the game, I'd have said defense, do nothing but figure out how to find and get pressure every second of every down. But they actually generated great pressure in the game. So that doesn't get to be their New Year's resolution. Um, instead, my New Year's resolution is for the linebackers specifically. And linebackers, you need to spend all winter and spring learning how to drop into your zone coverage and at the same time recognize the route concepts around you. Like Mm -hmm. so many times this year, the backers are dropping into their zones, but they're just not paying attention to where guys are moving, right? Now, Danny the other night had some good ones, but can it got lost? And dropping into coverage, hip got lost, dropping it. 
Desan McCullough still gets lost all the time, dropping into coverage. They don't have a good natural feel. It's it's the same as a linebacker who doesn't know what gap he's supposed to do running the ball, right? He's hesitating. He's taking those false steps. He's not triggering and coming downhill. Well, it's the same in your drop. As soon as you see this guy run this curl route and that like you know they're trying to get to this area. I need to drop to this spot and this deep. And how many times this year did we see guys right there at the line of scrimmage and they're dropping, but they only drop like two steps, which leaves this huge vacant window over the middle that the quarterback doesn't even have to layer the ball into. He can just throw it on a rope to them 15 yards down the field. Whereas if they're back, now he's got to make that throw that goes up and over, right? which makes the ball get there slower, gives your safeties a chance to react, and anything underneath, you can come up and tackle. And we were terrible at that all year. That's that's my one for the defense. For the offense, Coach Luttrell, Coach John Finley, offensive line, Jackson Arnold, everybody. The reason it is called offense is because you are to be on the offensive not the defensive. And what I mean by that is like we did on Saturday, running the RPO constantly where all they had to do is they knew that that was the bulk of the offense. So what did they do? They pack in six or seven into the box. And as soon as the ball snapped, they all flood out, right? But pre-snap, Jackson Arnold, I got seven in the box. It's RPO time. It's literally letting the defense be offensive to the offense. Look, sometimes you need to line up on the ball and all look at each other and go, I don't care if there's eight in the box. We're going to blow everybody off the ball and get three yards if there's eight guys on the line. I don't care if they're in cover three, cover four. We got four verticals going. You're going to get that guy's attention. You're going to get that guy's attention, and we're going to have a seam right here, and we're going to hit it regardless of what they're in. Like There comes a point where you have to believe we can execute what our play is and impose our will. And those are the greatest offenses there are, right? I mean, it's the concept of the one-on-one. I got man coverage with whoever. They have perfect coverage, but you know what? I believe that my guy can make a play over that guy, so I'm going to throw the ball anyway. And I'm going to let my guy make a play. The offense needs to be that. I felt like under Levy especially, the gimmick, the pace – the tempo, all that. It was always, we're trying to get you because we don't believe that we can just line up and do what we want to do. The well, offense and, and, needs to be a bully. And, and I agree with you. I, the one, the caveat I would give to that, and well, I guess a slimmer, a, a sliver of hope is, one, this was a patchwork offensive line. I think the reason yeah. for the RPO was that you had a month to get a lot of guys. I mean, you had uh, two or three of the guys that were basically had the potential to play every position on the offensive line because somebody went down, you've got to roll over or whatever. Um, and then just real quick, the other thing is, um, you know, the, I don't mind. I don't hate the up-tempo stuff as much as a lot of the people, No, because in a way, because in a way it's the same thing. Like we're going to keep running at you and we're going to run quick and you're going to have to keep up. Right. right? Like I, I hate when people are like, well, that's such a gimmicky thing. And I'm like, it's not a gimmick. But like it, it, depend, it depends it on can. it depends on the mentality of the guy up front. Right? Oh, I the, guy, yeah. the guy running it, if his deal is we got to get lined up so that they're not ready. No, no, no. 
we're going to go get lined up so they're exhausted. We're yeah. going to go get lined up because we're in better shape. It's, like, it's those same, are two the totally same, different messages. The Sam Bradford year of OU football yes. was, was the epitome of we're going to run our playbook and we're going to run it fast and you deal with it. Yeah, That was that Again, mentality. They said all the time, the more plays you let us run, the more points we're going to score. That's the whole purpose in us going like, the more plays we run, the more scoring we're going to do. Levy always felt like we're going tempo so that they don't see us coming and we can get three yards. And it's like, if that's your mentality, then everyone's playing scared, right? Because now you go tempo and you either go too fast trying to catch them off guard and you get penalties or you go so fast and then you look up and go, oh crap, they got lined up. We didn't, we didn't go fast enough. But like, here's my, my, my thing is, and here's the difference. Like here's a little caveat to it too. Again, the Bradford years, it didn't matter. If you got three yards on a run play, you still lined up and you went fast. Yes. Right. It felt like with Lebby, it's like, okay, we got we got 20 yards on a pass play. Let's run down the field, get lined up, run it fast. We got three yards. Okay, now let's sit here in formation for yeah. 30 seconds. And, and he said that. First down always mattered. If we don't get any yards, oh, well, now we're going to slow down. Because yeah, now we're behind the, the chains, and we got to make sure we get it right. Which, again, it's a it's a gotcha mentality as opposed to it's, an, it's, an, an offensive it's, mentality. It's not a psychological. It's not psychological warfare where yeah. – even if you like, you know, if you're a defender and you stop, you go, man, I hold them to three yards and I'm standing up from a tackle and they're already lining up to run another play. I'm like, crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. So, so sorry not to one. derail you. Go ahead. And then my last one for the coaches. I'm actually very much in line with you. Um, but I, I would I would twist it just a little bit and say, trust your young guys. Trust him. Look, Gavin Sawchuck's a dude. But when you see him pop his hamstring early in the fourth quarter, he does not need to keep being your bell cow. Like, literally, there were runs in that game after he pulled his hamstring where you could tell he was like, will somebody please tackle me? Like, will somebody get over here so I don't have to run anymore? Because this hurts. Why is Caleb Hicks not playing? Now, look, Tally Walker didn't look great. During the game, he didn't look like he had his same burst, which he's not a fast guy anyway. But like Caleb Hicks can't get any run. Uh, right. The the Megway kid from from Washington, like you're telling me, pulled hamstring. Gavin saw. By the way, I also heard from all the insiders, Javante Barnes went through every single drill before that game. They said it was as healthy as he's looked all year. Now, maybe the doctors hadn't cleared him, but if he was at all medically cleared, you explain to me why he's not carrying the ball over Sawchuck in the fourth quarter of that game. Like, again, you, DeMarco Murray, your mouth, not us, not, not our stars, not our, not our rankings. You said the most prepared freshman I think I've ever seen is Caleb Hicks. And yet you played Dalen Smothers over him all year long. And now you have a game that doesn't even count against his red shirt and he can't get a carry when you have an injured running back? Like, what are we doing? Mr. Everett playing center. We all wanted to see him there. We thought he could be good there. But when he gets rolled up on and he can't walk, you're telling me that Josh Bates, the kid that you thought was the best center in the country, you're telling me he can't play the position. You can't call plays for him to, to be on the offensive line 
as well as a guy playing on one leg. You you literally have more confidence in a guy on one leg than you do the freshman. We t- Brent Venables, Heath Ozeda, dude, the most monstrous lineman I've seen in a long time. He got zero reps. Zero in the entire game. Like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing, right? Same thing on defense. We could all see early on Peyton Bowen was just fine in this defense. He knew what to do, where to be, everything going on, and we we could only put him out there for 10 or 15 plays a game. Like, you got to trust them, man. Like, you got I mean, I mean, to trust them. I, and it goes back to there's – it's such a weird – I've tried to wrap my head around it. I've tried to come up with some sort of logic to it. But again, like, people remember, Towie Walker never put on scholarship. Gavin Freeman is on scholarship. And I keep, I hate to keep picking on Gavin Freeman, but it's just he's the easiest one to point out. I love Gavin Freeman. Dude wants to play at OU, all those things, and he's, he like I said, he's a gym rat and all that. But it's like, why? Like, he does not have the little, very little we've seen of Petaway. Petaway has 10 times the explosion and speed of Freeman. Well, I don't know about that, but I mean, Gavin Freeman's okay. fast. Okay, Gavin Freeman's fast. What I mean is, put the if you're going to put the ball in space into somebody's hands and expect yes. them to make a play, yes, his I, shake I'm picking, is better. I'm, yeah, his his that's what I mean. His mobility and his ability to change direction and still have that speed to get upfield in an instant, yeah, is is not something that Gavin Freeman has. I mean, he has better size. He has equal speed. Yeah, I mean, all those things. Um, so I mean, again, that's that's the stuff, right? And then even like. Look, I thought Canick played really well. And maybe again, maybe he's hurt. But where was Kobe McKenzie Saturday night? Yeah. I mean, they didn't play like, and again, if you're going to tell me, well, he's struggling in his drops. He's not going to figure it out if you don't put him on the field. If you believe he's a better run defender than Jaron Canick, and that if he can figure out his drops, put him on the field. It's a bowl game. It's the freaking Alamo Bowl, man. Like I told you the other day. Go youth movement. And so coaches, look, man, y'all got to figure out the rotation stuff. Because it does, and I'm not it, the only one questioning it. Gabe Eichert's questioning it. Ted Lehman's questioning it. Like, we got guys questioning Look, you watch Caden Green come in that Texas game, and you're telling me, so you really believed in all those practices that Savion Bird and McCade Matower were better than him? Like, legitimately, y'all thought they were better than him for five games, really five and a half, because he didn't come in until there was an injury, right? Like, why? Like, what are we doing look, look, here? Look, and like, I can give somewhat of, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. I can give a pass because that happens all the time in football where, you know, the Arizona's quarterback, same thing with him, right? He didn't start the season. And, and now you look at him and he's, in the span that he's played, he's statistically like a top five quarterback, right? In those eight, eight or nine games that he's played in. Um, so yeah, I agree. I mean, the the thing is, is like I I fully agree with you, and I also think you have to look at it in the lens of um letting guys get out there and make plays and make mistakes. Yes. Right. Like that's what's infuriating to me is I feel like maybe some of it's the the perfectionist in Brent Venables, but it's like, look, dude, put put Kobe McKenzie out there. I mean, Kobe did play in this game, right? But uh, like you said, put 
um, whoever out there, you know, put Petaway out there, put whoever on defense out there, like any of these young guys, put Peyton Bowen out there, right? They're going to make mistakes and we're all okay with that. Um, you know, and, and, and that's, and that's where the real coaching happens, right? When you're in a game and the lights are the brightest, that yeah. that's when you learn the most. So you can only learn so much on the practice field. I understand being a practice type coach and all those things. You know, I think we both had similar coaching mentalities when we were playing high school ball was you got to practice well to play well. Yeah. But at the same time, I learned 10 times more on the field than sure. I did in on a practice field. Well, so. and here's my deal. Okay. If so, let's go through some of these guys. If Jacquez Petaway is really such a bad practicer, then he should have been uh should have been sent packing through the portal, right? I mean, if Javante Barnes is such a bad locker room guy and can't figure it out on the practice field, and that's why he's not playing, then he should have been processed. If Caleb Hicks really doesn't know what to do and you can't trust him to carry the football, then he should have been processed. Right? Like you process Towie Walker, who was not the fastest guy, was not the most dynamic guy. Right? But you, he obviously got processed, but you, you want to keep these other guys and not put them on the field. Like it just, it doesn't make sense, man. Like I'm with you. I don't want a guy that's a pathetic loser in practice to be playing just because he's talented. That, that's a cancer, right? Mm -hmm. That, that change. But I don't think you got this on this team. And so again, like, I'm not saying you just play guys for no reason, but when the guys in front of them are hurt and injured, okay, I think it's worth giving them a shot to see what, what you have in them. And I think when they're just flat out not producing at all, it's worth seeing what the guy behind them can do. And then, by right. the way, then you got other guys like Jaden Gibson. He got one chance in that whole game, and he caught the ball on a ridiculous catch, even though he was two inches out of bounds. It was an incredible, the throw was just too far towards the sideline. And yet again, he comes out with the ball and yet he doesn't see the field, but for 20% of snaps, you know, it's just, it's crazy stuff like that. Uh, we had one person on Twitter respond with a really good thought. Um, Steve Eden, that's at Steve Eden too, said this, his New Year's resolution would be stop being afraid of blitzing and pressuring mobile quarterbacks. Look at what Michigan did to Alabama's quarterback. It can be done and it should be done. And I think that's pretty good. I mean, because we've talked about that a lot, that the teams like Cincinnati, when we played Emory Jones, it felt like the D-line was given the task of catching blocks as opposed to imposing their will. And I, I think he's got a great point with that. Yeah, I do. I mean, I agree. I think that, uh, again, it goes back to mine. Be aggressive. Like, I kind of stole it from you, Stevie, so I agree with you. Be aggressive. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, like I said, you know... Um, if you're blitzing and you know, you give up a play, that's, that is what it is. Yeah. Right. But like make the blitz, take the chance. So take the chance. Make yeah. The chance. It's, it's a little bit of that. Uh, don't, don't play scared. You know, yeah. we've talked about that before under uh, the, the previous coaching uh, regime yeah. of don't play scared. Right. right. So um, there was that shift into that. And I feel like that's something that we got to get back to is being aggressive. Yeah. Some other guys making a shift in their careers are the high school All-Americans as they are shifting from high school to college now, and they're all getting to meet up for things like the Under Armour All-American game, which was this afternoon. Um, and then also right now, the practices are taking place uh, for the Under Armour All-American, or sorry, not the Under Armour, the Army All-American game in San Antonio as well. Um, and so OU had five players in today's Under Armour All-American game. 
Um, you had David Stone. Uh, you had Eugene Brooks. Uh, Brooks, sorry, Daniel Akinkumi was there. Davin Mitchell and uh, Jaden Hardy were all there. So four. Uh, uh, sorry, two defensive, three offensive guys there um, on the weekend, and uh, lots of practice videos coming out, especially of David Stone and Eugene Brooks. Jared, how did you feel about the practices? Let's start there and some of the one-on-one footage coming out of that. Uh, look, I think Stone, every every clip I saw, and it was not posted by, uh, you know, OU insiders that were just going to post the good stuff or whatever. The I saw plenty of just straight-up reporters that were posting it, and he pretty much dominated on one-on-ones just about everybody they put him up against. Um, He, he did, really. Uh, so that was impressive to see. Uh, Brooks has looked really, really good. Uh, Akinu, how do you say his name? Give it to me. Akinkumi. Akinkumi. Okay, I'm gonna have to work on that. I'm sorry, buddy. But um, I, I don't know. Like in England, do they say Akinkumi? Maybe I don't know. I don't know if that's yeah, a bad. We English. probably just offended somebody. We're canceled. Yeah, probably. But, sorry about that. Uh, it that that's pretty messed up, isn't it? Anyway, um, <laughs> if we're gonna go in, we ought to, we got to go all the way in on it. There so. we go. Uh, I thought he looked a lot better than I expected. I not that I didn't expect him to look good, but you know, the, the, the question coming in for him is what's the competition like in England right? versus coming to the United States and playing against, you know, a D one mm-hmm. talent. Uh, and I thought he did really, really well. I think he's probably the most raw prospect. That's not any, you know, anything, um, uh, crazy to say. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that but I do think he has more raw talent than I expected. Maybe is how I should put that. Yeah. Um, but the guy that I really, I'm just impressed with. And I've literally, I was the one last uh, or last pod. And I will say it again. Davin Mitchell is that dude. <laughs> Davin Mitchell is a, if, if he can, if he can like just one, just go look at him. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at him, like there was a shot of him where he, he had his pads off and he was in his shirt or whatever. And you're like, dude, this guy's built like a freaking yeah. like a tank. And then he puts the pads on, he goes out there and runs routes and you're like he moves mm-hmm. like a receiver. Like he does not move like a guy that's built like that. Um so I think that dude's going to be and, and he's looked impressive. So um yeah, I mean a lot of good stuff to come out of these for these guys. So uh I'm pretty high on it. I think it's it feels like a good evaluation. Of course, this is the most this feels like the most uh guys we've had in an all-American game in a while. So yeah, at least uh, at least spread out because there's always like, oh, we've got like the quarterback and some receivers, you know, but then it was like we didn't have anybody else. But now we actually have guys on both sides of the ball, which is nice. Right. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I, I thought a couple things. things. Uh, you're right with Stone. Um, I watched what somebody said was every one of his one on one reps. And I think there was one. Um, there was one. No doubt he got beat like pretty good. Um, there was one that was kind of a more of a 50-50. Would, I would definitely have considered it a QB pressure, uh, but didn't necessarily get there. Um, the rest, man, were just going. And the motor and the energy and the playing hard was there. Um, he looked good in the game today as well, um, played really well. Uh, the other guy that stood out to me in a big way is Brooks. Eugene Brooks, bro. Like his first rep I saw, I thought, oh, dude, he's about to get blown up. I mean, look, with offensive line, it's different, but you can still tell, like, watching guys, like, when a guy is being a tryhard, right? Like, you can see it. 
it looked like his effort was so low that he wasn't even sure the snap, what the snap count was. And then the next thing you know, the guy just hits him and he just stones him. And I was like, holy crap. Like it, it looked, every rep looked like he was not trying at all and that he did not care and yet was just walling guys left and right. Now he got beat like maybe once, maybe twice, but 90% of his reps were just straight up domination. And that is great news for me because I was pretty critical of this, this class and was very much more on the the page of, uh, especially with Brooks and Akinkumi, I thought was going to be a two or three year process before they ever played. Here's the other thing that I just heard today. There have been discussions with Brooks about potentially playing center. Hmm, I didn't and know that. if that's the case, I'm starting to feel better and better about the O-line. Look, I thought Everett played an okay first half. But look, man, Arizona's defensive line ain't SEC, man. It, he didn't see anything on Saturday that's going to be the monsters that Alabama brings, that now that Ole Miss is going to bring. Um, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I don't know, man. I think that dude plays incredibly hard. I think his attitude is way better than Reims, but we'll see. We'll just see. But Brooks there, whew, if he can snap the ball, that could be nasty. Akinkumi, I just echo you. I thought he was going to really kind of get worked a little bit at the camp, and that wasn't going to bother me because he's coming from England. Which, by the way, let's also recognize this dude landed about 24 hours before practice started. So he's still changing his clock over as well, and he is balled out. And David Stone said that him and Akinkumi were in the gym together at 3.30 a.m. on one of their workout days, and they roomed together. So, I mean... That dude, man, I don't know this year, but he's going to play. And Davin Mitchell's a freak. I do think Schmitty needs to get a hold of his body. He is big for a 16-and-a-half, 17-year-old kid. He's physically ready, but you could tell he's tried to add weight, I think, fast, and it wasn't the best of weight. Like, if you look at some of the clips from him, like last summer, early camp, he looks just like a freak of nature. He looked a little soft, bigger, right? Like, so if he could stay at the well, way I, he's at, but but Schmitty just go nuts on him, he's gonna be a problem. Big yeah, time. That's what, I mean, that's what I'm saying. His frame. I guess when I say he's built like a thing, his frame is so big. Yes, it's like honestly, like his frame is so big. If you really were desperate, if like a team was desperate and they just like put that dude in Schmitty's workouts twenty four seven, the dude could probably play line like O line, like he is just a big human being especially yeah. for being 17 years old so because people forget he reclassified he was a 25 guy right he's reclassified to 24 so he's young literally like, this is this is the middle of his junior year yeah like that's how you like and he's coming to campus right now yeah like and he is barely a junior he graduated high school a year and a half early which yeah. is insane uh so awesome so i mean all those guys um Jaden hardy um I was listening actually to Josh McQuistion talk about him a little bit. And I thought this was really interesting. And and he said this. And so he asked Hardy how he felt about the week. And he said, not great. He said, man, I'm not a press man, dude. I'm a safety that likes to play off the ball and react. 
and they're putting me in press man all the time. So it's going to be a rough week for me. Now, what I love about that, and again, I'm echoing what Josh said, he understands his his strengths and his weaknesses, you know? like, And so that's another thing, man. With these all-star games, you have to be careful because the system that they're going to play them in may not be how they're going to be used at the college that they're going to, right? So um, the one-on-ones are probably a little bit more of itself. So those are my big takeaways from that. Um, but all in all, like you said, it's fun to see, like at that All-American game, let's think about that. The four guys that stood out the most are all trench guys. Even Davin Mitchell, I put in there and they, they showed out really well. And so that's exciting uh, moving forward for, for OU Uh, move on to recruiting off of that game. Uh, I'd say the biggest news recruiting wise that came out is Woody Washington shall return to the Sooners. Um, You talked about it a little bit earlier. I'm sure you're still excited that Woody's back but hoping maybe he can take that game to one more level up, right? Yeah, no, look, I I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm not trying to spin it as uh, I don't love that Woody's coming back. I just, like I said, he needs to figure out that second half of the season. That's been a mm-hmm. problem for him really throughout his career where he's just disappeared, um, yeah. you know, um, and we've seen that we've seen that, you know, we talked about that. You know, I know Key Lawrence has gone on to Ole Miss, but it's like we saw the same thing with him. It's like it's just some of those guys need to, and I think Woody... Uh, coming back as a positive. You want that that veteran, especially going to the SEC. Uh, So, yeah, I think if he really gets in this spring, this offseason, and really starts to work hard on his craft, I think he's going to be a beast. But he's got to do that. So, yeah, I'm very excited that he's back, though. I am, too. And I think just from a pure leadership standpoint, a guy that's two years in the system. I mean, if if nothing else to have him sit down next to the freshman coming in and say, this is what we're trying to do. This is what this call means. This is what you need to do with this guy and that guy is is huge uh, for OU and just continuing to build that culture. Um, one thing I've always really loved about Woody Washington, he is a man of very few words. Um, he just goes to work and does his thing. And when he is playing great, he doesn't say anything. He just keeps doing his business. Um, and so I love that on a not so good news. Uh, there was a lot of, and especially for me, I really believe that Dominic McKinley was a high opportunity for OU to get him and pull him into this class. Uh, new year's Eve at midnight, he announces that he will be going to LSU to say I'm shocked is an understatement. Now I understand he's from Louisiana and I probably should have given LSU a little bit more credit. Um, but from everything I knew about that family, the whole culture side of things was big. Um, and I do know that like the whole religious thing and all that stuff, even the D-line coach that was at AM that got fired, um, that was one of their biggest selling points of going to AM was that coach and his character and his culture. And I really thought that Todd Bates would be the second in line on that. Um, instead they go LSU. Now, granted, I think his family only lives like 45 minutes away. So to some degree, even if the culture there is terrible, which I have to believe under Brian Kelly, it ain't great. Um, I also got to believe that, uh, being close to home, you get to kind of have your own culture right, uh, around you and those things. So that probably played, um, a deal, but that's a huge loss for the Sooners. And it was also reported today that DJ Hicks will not enter the transfer portal, but we'll stay at AM. and um, Apparently AM's got a little bit in that bag still. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
as somebody put it in our Discord, the uh, paycheck is still the same. So uh, that's that's the way it's going to be. Um, look, I can, feel re I feel really good about the incoming class of defensive linemen, especially D tackles. Uh, Jaden Gibson, Stone, I feel good there. Jaden Terry, uh, Lacey coming back. You got Halton coming back. So I feel okay about that. But I'm not going to lie, one of these two guys added into this class would have been huge. Um, I, and really brought things up a level. Yeah, and that's what's crazy is we're not even talking about Jaden Jackson, who's shined since he's got yes. to camp because he's already on campus. So yes, went through some bowl practices. Um, yeah. Can I just ask you a little off topic? I mean, you brought him up. Yep, Brian Kelly. Is he the biggest scumbag in college football? If well, I would say no because Tom Herman is still coaching. Uh, but he's he's right there behind. Now I know, as somebody pointed out in the Discord, there there literally is a family that does not have a family member anymore under his watch, and that's a pretty big thing to to overcome. Now that whole situation is terrible. It's awful. It is wrong. I mean, all the different things, right? Um, I don't put it on the same plane as. Uh, the guy that I can't remember where he's coaching now, but the Maryland coach that basically killed a player in practice, um, because they just yeah. kept making them go. I think those are two very different things. Um, but yeah, Brian Kelly is he's yeah, a used thought, car salesman. He's a used car salesman. I guess that's the best way for yeah. me to put it. I there's not a there's let me put it this way aside outside of Tom Herman, I guess I'd forgot that he's coaching it. Southern, Lu Southern Louisiana Tech State University or whatever. <laughs> uh, no, I uh, Brian Kelly. As far as Power Five coaches, he's the one I dislike the most. Um, so me, yeah. me and my family, yeah, are so glad to be a part of LSU. Which, which we don't even we haven't talked about. We'll talk. Maybe we'll talk about this a little bit when we get to the playoff discussion. But yeah, there's like all these now. I've heard moving parts about yeah. him and all kinds of crazy stuff. So. Now, yeah, to go back to your point, yeah, I wish we landed McKinley. I wish we could have gone after Hicks. It is what it is. I mean, I think I agree with you. Um, there's the greed part of me that wants to bring in, you know, more. Yeah. However, this is the best I've also felt about a D-line class. Yes. Maybe ever. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, really just to go back to Stone or to David Stone. Dude, like. Let's let's just Gerald McCoy go go buy you a house in Norman and live there. And David Stone, <laughs> David Stone can be your roommate. That'd be weird, but still, like he, you can tell that he's trying to channel that inner inner of uh, Gerald uh, Gerald McCoy, right? Gerald they McCoy have a was super very open tight up. relationship. Yeah, yeah, he was channeled that. You know, Gerald still lives down here in Florida, not far from IMG. Uh, you know, Gerald was very high on being at OU. He was very proud to be, still very proud to be a Sooner. Yeah, you know, there's the famous or the oh, at least in OU circles, a famous video of him in the Tampa Bay workout facility. Yeah, playing Boomer sooner. Sooner, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that that's you know from what hit or from sorry, uh, what Stone had said during, um, the camps and stuff too. You know, he was very like, I'm a sooner through and through. This is what I'm gonna do. Like I don't like he's very on board. So let's let's hope he keeps with that. So, but yeah, I'm I'm very encouraged by what we're seeing, even if we did lose out on those guys. Yeah. The only other news really in the portal right now is uh, Nick Skirton, I think is how you say his last name. He is from Purdue. Um, he was the uh, sack leader in the Big Ten last season. He has a scheduled visit for OU coming up. 
But he, he got a, fonged. He, he got, got fonged to A and M today, and there's a lot of rumor he may not even make the trip. Uh, Hopefully, doesn't get a flat tire. He's also from Bryan, Texas. I mean, yeah. like I can't fault the kid wanting to play in the SEC and getting to do it at home. I mean, why why yeah. wouldn't you? You as, know, as long as he as long as he doesn't get a flat tire, that's sort yeah, of scenario. Yeah. I'm fine with it. Exactly. Um, now look, here's my other thing. Out of all that stuff, that's great. I still believe that like every transfer spot we have left needs to go the O line, and I'm hoping some really talented O line guys will show up in the portal. Which, by the way, one that I wouldn't be—I don't think I'd be super down on the center who was basically given death threats uh, by Alabama fans uh, after the game. The starting center for Alabama uh, is in the transfer portal. Now look. His center snap job was horrendous uh, in that game. But guess what? If you moved him to guard, that might work. Take the snapping responsibility away and let him fire off the ball and just go hit some people, and it might work out really well. So um, if you feel really good about Troy Everett, look, you protect him by putting two good guards on either side of him, and then he kind of gets to do his thing, right? So... Um, I'd be down with that, but I, I'm hoping there'll be some more big names offensive line wise to go through. So speaking of Alabama, let's get to the playoff, shall we? Um, and which game would you like to talk about first? How about that? Well, can we just talk about both? Yeah. Like in, in, the, in the, in the sense of both games were phenomenal, which, but can I just say, I hated, I hated that both games were good because of just the whole. Our job is to pick the four best teams, not the most deserving. Yeah, I, I, dude, I was so, dude, I got so annoyed because, look, I, obviously we we haven't even talked about. We, I don't know if we're planning on talking about this, but the Florida State thing, it's like people like, see, Florida State shouldn't have made it. And I'm like, Florida State had like eighty percent of their starters opt out or yeah. transfer or because for the draft of because or transfer portal, yeah, because of because of everything that happened. I, yeah. I still say, I still will say this, and I will stand on this when it comes to defense. That Florida State defense, they were nasty. Is a top three defense, if not the best defense in the in the country this year. They, they were are good. nasty. They were good. Um, so I would have loved to have seen a full hundred percent, even without uh, Travis at quarterback. I still would have loved to see them in the playoff. But yes, the playoff was phenomenal. I was glad to see that both games were really good. That's what I said. I glued to both games to the end of the game. It wasn't like every other year where you've had one playoff semifinal game. That's just a yeah, lopsided just, sure. just beat down. Um, and I don't think we're going to have that in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, the championship either. So, um, mm. but yeah, it was really weird because maybe it was because of all the stuff in discord, but I ended up cheering for Michigan, which felt weird. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, I was cheering for Washington, obviously. So yeah, but no, I mean, honestly, the maybe the best in the playoff era, maybe the best two semifinal games. Yeah, I think both games high level. I mean, overtime and a throw in the end zone with no time left on the clock for a win or a loss. That's about as good as you get, right? Um, yeah, thought both were good. Look, uh, to me, it was simply this: um, Bama's offense was not good enough. I thought their defense was, especially early in that game. They were, but the offense just was not good enough uh, to get them over. And by the way, um, the other thing that I kind of liked about Michigan winning, this whole thing that there's just creatures in the SEC that nobody else can play with was completely debunked by Michigan. Their trenches 
were just fine against uh, against the mighty SEC in Alabama. Um, and I thought they played their tails off, defensive line, offensive line. They bullied people all over the place, and it was pretty cool to watch. Uh, Texas, the two things that have been their problem all year long, their secondary and red zone offense, lost them the game. I mean, they had three plays from inside the red zone to win it, and they couldn't do it. They could not win the game from inside the red zone, and that's been their problem all year. They've been one of the worst teams in college football in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, look, I, let me let me start with the, the Bama-Michigan game. I, for one, was, I think, maybe the, one of, the only one of us that I thought Jalen Milrow was a little overrated coming into this game. Um, you know, he didn't look good for most of the start of the season. Then he kind of got going. But even then, I don't think he looked elite. If you look at his stats, he was good. But he definitely isn't a guy that he's going to put the team on his back and carry you to win. He's not going to win you games, and he might lose you some games, in my opinion. Um, so he's still a young kid. But, yeah, I, I thought that that was the case. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, Bama got out physicaled. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really dominated in the trenches, honestly, which is just weird to say about Bama. Um, and uh, honestly, like looking at that, like Michigan just looked like the better team at pretty much every position. Um, See, I thought it was about even at quarterback, which is crazy because I'm with you. I don't yeah, think that yeah. Milrow's great, but that quarterback was even. The difference was the O-line and the D-line. I mean, they, yeah. sacked, they sacked Milrow, what, like seven times, I think, yeah. in the game, something crazy like that. And he was just getting pummeled even when he would try to escape. He was yeah. just getting and then the O line just kept Michigan's guy clean the whole game. They ran the ball effectively. Um, not great, but fine. The trenches won the game. I mean, that was literally a trench warfare game, and that's where it was won. Yeah. Uh I, I really enjoyed the game and overtime, uh, you know, was just and you could just tell at the end of the game, that's the other thing. Michigan just wore them down. Yeah, Alabama just had nothing left in the gas in, the, in overtime. You could just tell. Uh, Michigan just went right down the field and scored, and then Stone, you know, pretty, uh, for all intents purposes, pretty much stonewalled Bama. Uh, <laughs> so, and you know, and I've seen people like, well, this should honestly, I still don't understand the play call with Milrow um, on fourth and you know it's fourth and goal. It's like you're at the three yard line. I didn't really understand it, but you know. Uh, I guess it is what it is. So, yeah, I, I, it was interesting for sure. So, by the way, the greatest thing that happened the whole day of the playoffs, by the way, semi and otherwise, uh, was Pat McAfee on game day with the whole Lank thing. Dude, I laughed about that all day long. I don't know how many times I watched them all just going and freaking out about Reese Davis saying, uh, yeah, he wears his own brand of clothing called Lank and it's called. Let a naysayer know. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty funny. I did it. It was I it, the the whole career reacting was hilarious. Um, yeah, and it was. Did you see also the clip? Just another thing. Okay, I'm gonna ask a question at the end of this. But um, did you first of all did you see the clip of them all freaking out about the stealth bomber doing its test flyover? Yeah, yeah. that was hilarious. And I was like. I sent it to a bunch of buddies and I was like, this is like every dude when a military jet flies over, everybody stops <laughs> what they're doing and looks. I was like, that's the most guy thing I've ever seen. Um, and but the other thing is, do you like Pat McAfee being on like game day and doing all the ESPN stuff? What's yes, your feeling? On? I, I do. like it. 
huh? I said, I like it. I do too. Uh, like, look, is he a little over the top? Yes, he is, but that's why he's there. But I'll give him this. He brings fun. Like that whole, like the week when uh, Georgia and Alabama played each other and like all the Georgia fans are there and he does that whole Georgia chant thing that they do like about the dogs or whatever. And he's just got the whole place hyped. And then he goes, Crimson Tide's going to win the game. I mean, like, I mean, the stuff like that that he does is so fun. The fact, like, you and I talked, we were texting about it. The fact that he even approached the Lank subject, like, live on air, he went, uh, I'm sorry, Reese, I don't mean to interrupt, but I did not think it was going that way. Like, I, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, like, most guys would just be like, I'm not, I'm not even touching that, right? But he, he totally does. And, Again, he's a little obnoxious. He's a little over the top, but he's honest about what he really believes. He actually gives good takes. And he honestly, the other thing he'll say, I haven't watched them. I haven't seen this. But what I've heard is this, or he'll say, I've watched a lot of them in this. And a lot of those guys try to talk, Mr. Howard, Desmond Howard. You know, this team's problem is like, you haven't watched this team all year. You have no idea. You looked at a couple box Dude, scores and made a statement. And Pat McAfee does not do that. I, I had a conversation with somebody this week, and it brought this up. That do you remember the TCU game when it was Spencer Tillman and I forget the other what's the other broadcaster name? Oh yeah, I can't remember, but yes, yeah, um, yes. But they couldn't. They literally DJ Graham was our best receiver. And, yes. Yeah. Uh. Anyways. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't. I like Pat McAfee. I think it's it's good that they're trying something in the same vein but different. Right. Yeah. Uh, respectively, Corso, but like, it's time. He, he should not have been on that show for for three or four years now. At least uh, the last two. I like three. I think about three or four years ago, you could really see it starting to go downhill. These last two, I mean, there's times where he doesn't know where he's at. Like yeah. he doesn't know, and I hate it for him. I do. Like yeah. I know he wants to be out there, and I get that. And and look, I will say this: it's the one time I've ever. And now I say that. ESPN's doing it for money. Let's let's not get it twisted. Mm-hmm. But they also are on trying to honor a guy well, and they're trying to let him leave on his own terms. That's maybe the only time ever I've seen ESPN treat somebody well in that way. You know, they they yeah, are pretty. The only thing I think is like when, when somebody was like, uh, "What's what was the uh, cooler than the other side of the pillow guy?" I can't remember his name now either. Um, oh, I don't know. Well, even yeah. like the Mike and Green, uh, Mike and Mike in the morning deal, and how they just sent Mike Greenberg out, just said you're done, you know, like yeah, literally yeah, gave I him mean, like two months, and then just moved it over to to get up with, uh, with the other Mike. Yeah, it was. I mean, like I said, I I I do like that he adds a new wrinkle, but uh, and then really quick to go back to the Texas game, did you see everybody's talking about how Quinn Rivers looked like he was concussed after the game? He did a little bit. I mean, I didn't think that live, but watching that clip in and by itself, it looks that way. But watching it live, it really looked a lot more like, man, we were right there and I, and we didn't get it done. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot more what it was. I don't think if it was, he hit his head hard. And as a matter of the, the bigger indication I would say is this, he knew because he hit and you can see him at one point start to reach back and kind of like hold his helmet, like, holy crap, that hurt. 
and he stops himself because he knows that they have people up in the box watching for that stuff. And so, I mean, I don't know, man. He he played well enough after that. It's kind of like the the Baker year against TCU. You know, he got hit in the back of the head. And then he goes like 11 for 13 after that. Goes in the locker room, says he has a headache, and they bench him for the half because of concussion protocol for a headache. You know, I mean, yeah. I don't know, but he definitely took a shot. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, but Texas and playing concussed quarterbacks, name it more. Uh, I, I but again, I don't think that Sark is a terrible human I, I being. Know, like no, Tom I know. I know. I, I, that's was, why was, I hate that argument is because we're literally trying to, to put Steve Sarkeesian in the same box as Tom Herman. And look, I think there's a lot of things about Steve Sarkeesian that are weird, but I think the guy's a pretty good dude overall. Tom Herman's just a piece of trash. I, I think uh, Sark. I think Sark is a good person. Yeah. I still think he's super cringe and <laughs> yeah. super annoying. But I don't think Tom Herman is a bad human being, dude. By if, the way, did you even know about his open heart stuff? Did you see who? that story? Who? Steve Sarkeesian. No. His first year at Bama in their off season, they found out that he was missing an entire valve in his heart. And that he already had an aneurysm uh, on his carotid artery of his heart, or on yeah, somewhere in his heart on his artery. They were like, literally, we went in and saw that, and we were like, "You are staying here, and you're like until we can get a surgery put together, you're not leaving because if this blows, you're dead." And the whole reason that he found that out was because Nick Saban has a rule that his staff has to get a yearly physical. That is part of the prerequisite for them to get there. He said, my dad died of a heart attack at 46. So I make every single one of my staff go get a, a physical and have a heart check. And that's how they found it. Steve Sarkeesian had no idea. So that first year he's at Bama, he spent like eight weeks recovering from open heart surgery. He's got a scar. They showed it all the way down where they ripped him wide open and went in and did his heart surgery. Jeez, I did not know that. I, I mean, I don't even remember that being reported in the news. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, look, I, I like Steve Sarkeesian uh, as a person. Like I said, if 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 I was a, if you know, I was having to decide what my child was going to follow as far as a football coach for four years, obviously, I'm going to try to say go to OU. But <laughs> given that it came down between Tom Herman and Steve Sarkeesian sitting in my living room, oh. I, I, I every single time I'm choosing yeah. Steve Sarkeesian. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And Texas fans would agree, <laughs> by <yeah>. the way. <laughs> um, so yeah, Tom Herman is just not a good human being. But um, so let's real quick before we wrap up the football talk, you want to give some predictions? What do you how are you feeling about the the play or the sorry, the championship game? Yeah, championship game. Um I just don't should know. We how do, to should we do an all because like look, we fumbled the whole score predictions throughout the season we like the last like three weeks we haven't done them yes should this yeah, be I, for all the marbles uh sure even though i held a super commanding lead no matter what you say um yeah we can Dude, okay okay i need to just clarify for everybody the last like two weeks well, the one pod i had to do by myself i texted you and was like send me your predictions send me your predictions so i can put them in the deal because <laughs> i did mine for like two days not a peep, not a peep. So I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, that's the same week I'm at the ranch with hardly any service, and 
the same you week that service lost. for 30 seconds to send me. I want these uh, three teams or five gosh. teams or whatever it was. Anyways, my prediction, dude, I'm just, I'm on the Penix train, man. I am just, I'm on the Penix. Some of the throws he made in that Texas game. Dude, I the, mean, the, the, there was that one on the sideline. That's just an absolute dot. Like I'm, well, maybe, how about the one in the end zone between the two safeties? Both, both crashing down right at the ball, and it just goes right between them to the. And by the way, his receivers are unbelievable as well. That but. is that may be the best receiving. That's that probably is the best receiving core in college football. Um, but yeah, his he just had so many. Like I mean, literally, he probably had. That's what's crazy is I I could go back and probably name six passes that were just NFL level throws. Yeah. I mean, the dude's legit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I, I guess we're not going to settle it because I'm going to pick Washington too. I think Washington's the, the downside for Washington. I like, it's one of those weird matchups. Washington's secondary is not very good. Yeah. Um, but Michigan has been a very like hit or miss team with their, with their passing game. Right. Like we talked about right. that. So it's kind of like Michigan's weakness against Washington's weakness because every other part of the field, it's like I look at them and I'm going, they're pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, but so. like I said, I don't I don't think that Michigan's quarterback's a great quarterback. So I just don't think he's going to be able to take advantage enough to, you know, to win it all the way out kind of a thing um, is my thought. And so... You know, their secondary doesn't have to be excellent, I guess, is is what I'm getting at, right? Like, and by the way, that secondary was able to slow down Bo Nix enough to win, and they were able to slow down Caleb Williams enough to win. I mean, like they found they're a, the team. They're the team. They said that somebody said it best in the Discord. I think they even said it on the broadcast, this is just a team that has found a way to win every single week. Well, and I think that's part like again, it I think some of the reason that people say that their defense isn't any good is because statistically they don't line up. But again, they played Utah, who's not a bad offense, right? Like, we'll bully you and get around. They played Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, Bo Nix again, DJ. I mean, like, when you think about the offenses they played, there's no way they should be at the top half of D. So how about this? Maybe they're actually pretty good, and they've just played incredible. Like, for example, I've bagged on Texas's DBs all year. They didn't play an awful game. Penix just made some freaking incredible throws, and they made some incredible I, I, catches. Yeah, I was going to say, I actually thought this game is probably, it, it's got to be close to the best performance for Texas's secondary all season. Yeah, and so, I mean, like, that's the deal, man. Like, so maybe their DBs are actually not as bad as we're wanting to say. And like we used to say about OU's defense, it was bad through a lot of years. But there was also a lot of years where they were playing six of the top 15 offenses in all the country. So their numbers were going to be skewed no matter what, right? So, by the way, uh, Michigan is favored by four and a half right now on ESPN um, is the line. Four and a half for Michigan. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take Washington. (laughs) Yeah. Something else we haven't talked about. Did you see the post game interview with Jim Harbaugh and all them? No, I did not. So they asked him, they said, you know, there's been rumors of you going to the NFL with, you know, uh, the Chargers or whoever. And all he said was, all I'm focused on right now is my happy flight back to Ann Arbor. 
which I was like, man, maybe it's maybe this is the OU Lincoln Riley thing coming back to like a PTSD thing. And I'm like, is that just he didn't deny it? You know what I mean? Like he didn't right. come out and just say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying at Michigan. He just said, I'm focused on my fly back right. to Ann Arbor. Right. Um. So that's all weird. There's been rumors that he's going to the Chargers and that they're trying to they're chasing uh, Brian Kelly or he'd be a leading candidate to go to Ann Arbor. I don't know. I don't see the Brian Kelly thing happening much Uh. just because he hasn't had a ton of success. I mean, he's I mean. He didn't even win a natty or something at at um at LSU, right? Like LSU had a lot of talent when he came in. It's a not well, a blue. I Yes, but they were in shambles after Ed, right? After all those years of Ed, that the culture and everything was destroyed at LSU. So he came into a tough job. I mean, there's no doubt. And, yeah, I, it's and they are better now. Their defense was bad this year, but they are better. They are way way better than when he got there. He won at Notre Dame. He won at Cincinnati. And look, he's a New England guy. I just think Michigan culture fits him better. And I think if they offered him the job, the money's going to be the same. I mean, go for it, man. Like, here's, do, here's do my you, thing. Boo. I cannot see Brian. I'll say this. There's no way Brian Kelly sticks in Louisiana for 10 years. That ain't happening, right? He had to get out of Notre Dame because of all the different things that that hinder you there, right? The 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 GPA levels and the academic levels to get kids into the school, the Catholic stuff they have to deal with and maneuver around to get kids into the school, all that stuff. He wanted out of that and wanted a place that would let him win. And by the way, Michigan will let him do that in a culture he wants. I think that there could really be smoke there, but we'll see. But yeah, I'm still picking Washington, but not Link, because of Lincoln, that. Lincoln, Lincoln Riley to the Chargers. You heard it here first. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Well, let's move on to some basketball quickly. Um, hey, by the way, the uh, Thunder, they are pretty, pretty, pretty good, even though they lost tonight, by the way. One, what was it? 131 to, to a, not a great Hawks team, but yes, it was. Uh, they lost by like three. Uh, yeah. Well, here's the thing we, they were talking about this on the radio day. The Hawks are actually one of the top three offenses in the NBA. They can't play defense, which is why yeah. you score 128 points. You know how many times they've held a team under 100 points so far this year, the Hawks? Zero. Excuse me. Sorry, I should have muted that. Um, yeah, zero. Not even close. Not even close have they held a team to under 100 points. So they're just, they're terrible defensively, but they're hot offensively. They got it cooking tonight. But let's also be clear. This was a back-to-back -back for the Thunder who had to play the Celtics last night. It's not crazy to think that they would drop this game playing a fresh Atlanta Hawks team, right? By the way, in the last month, the Thunder have beaten the Nuggets twice. They have Which, beaten by the, the way, did you know the rest of the NBA has beaten the Nuggets once at home? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Pretty yeah. crazy. Clippers, I was there for that game. They looked amazing. They've beaten the Timberwolves, the number one seed in the West. They have beaten the Celtics, the number one seed in the East, um, all in this month. I mean, so the question kind of is, are we on full? This is a title, like legitimate title contender team right now. Look, I'm the guy that said 50 wins. Yes, you are. That's why I'm asking uh, you. Bring me the sunshine. Tell me we tell tell me to start playing the parade. It really it, I think I think they could be. Yeah. I think they're at least a Western Conference. 
That's not what I asked you. I said, are they a title? Are they an actual real deal title contender or maybe? Yes. So and here's and here's my logic because it's really early in the season. This is way too early for me to predict anyway. But like you said, they're not. This isn't like you. You know, we talked about last season, right? And the Thunder had a couple of good marquee wins last season, but a lot of their early wins were against bad teams, mm-hmm. right? This year they're going and beating the best teams without yeah. a doubt, and with and all their that, players, they're not resting. Yeah, they're not resting their best players like last year. And and when you look at it, when you look at them going against, uh, you know, even some of their losses have been against good teams that they barely like. They're not getting blown out for the most part. They've had like maybe one bad loss this whole season. Yeah, that first right? game against the Nuggets. Yeah, but outside of that, it's like, dude, they're they're right there. I mean, tonight the Hawks, like you said, not a great team overall, but they only lose by three, mm-hmm. right? Like they didn't. It, I feel like the the Thunder teams of the past. Um, you know, the last year or two, it's like they would get a big win. They'd go beat the the Celtics and then they would lose by 30 the next night. Right. right? And we're not seeing that. Um, And like, well, you know, I was telling you, I was watching. Obviously, I couldn't watch the game live because I'm not paying for Bally's. But I was watching it. It's like they're rotating guys like crazy. And it, this is this is the, the thing with this Thunder team. You don't take Shea Gilgis out of the game, who's the best player on the roster. And it just fall apart. Right. You know, you put you put like there was a point where I think there was a point where I told you they're Chet and Shea. Neither of them were on the field or on the court. Sorry, field the court. And they were still keeping up with the Hawks. They weren't the 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 uh, difference wasn't increasing. So I think they are. Um, you know, it's funny. I had an interaction with one of my buddies who's a big Sixers fan and somebody was saying should Embiid or should SGA be more MVP candidate. Look, I'm going to be honest. Right now, if the voting was right now, Embiid should be the MVP. Like he leads in every statistical category over SGA. He does. Not in every. Except steals. <laughs> Except steals. But look, Embiid's Embiid's an incredible player. I wouldn't say that. However, I would say Chet should be a rookie of the year by a country mile right now, if it was ended. And SGA should be he's a top five player in the league right now. Yeah. I mean, oh, absolutely. So, um, and I think, like I said, Chet has come on, I think, a lot faster and a lot better than we thought he would. Um, Giddy's starting to get back into his his old, um, you know, his play. Uh, and, you know, it just feels like there's still, that's what's crazy to me is it still feels like there's a little bit of that gelling happening in certain games and they're still winning big games. Yeah, I I totally um I agree with you on on all those fronts. I would say it this way. Contender, I think it's still a little early for that. I, I tweeted this earlier today from our account. Here's what I believe about this team. I don't care who they get matched up with at this point in the playoffs. I do not care who it is. This team can win three games against anybody, for sure. The fourth game, I think it's a coin flip. But they've shown they can beat the Nuggets three times in a seven-game series. They have shown that they can beat the Clippers three times in a seven. They can beat the Timberwolves three times. They can beat the Celtics three times in, in a seven-game series. That can happen. After that, I don't know. And so I, I'm not ready. But I will say this. I did come into the season not believing they would get to 50 wins. If they stay healthy, they should. And number two, my like 
expectation was you should be able to be in the playoffs, however you get there, and you should be able to win a first-round series, right? They they should they should be winning a second second round series at this point to me. Um, now I, I don't think I don't know if they can beat the team. Excuse me after that, just because they don't have the experience of the playoffs that these other teams do. Um, but I still think right now you would definitely still want to put more money on the Nuggets, more money on the Celtics, more money on the um for sure uh uh the bucks and maybe even the clippers to some degree i mean let me let me but, put it this way when you look at them as a top four team in the nba but that's where they're ranked uh i believe still even after tonight yeah. like that to me that makes them a title contender yeah right and they legitimately look like that again this isn't them beating up on they didn't play the piston for 28 games right uh they've been playing legitimate teams i think that's yeah. why i uh I'm so hyped about them. Um, so, yeah. And by the um, way, I have been... I don't feel like I've been highly critical of Giddy, per se, but I've definitely... I've not just jumped on this train of like, well, Giddy is the the second coming of, of whatever, right? Um, but I have said forever, man, if you can get a consistent... If you can get a consistent Giddy on the offensive side... Night in and night out, it changes this team. And I would say the same about Dort, really, right? Like, either one of those guys, which Dort has been pretty incredible so far. But listen to these stats, okay? The first win against the Nuggets was a 118-117 win. Super tight game. Here's Giddy's stat line. Four, two, and four. That's bad, okay? That is not a good stat line. And by the way, he was minus seven in the plus-minus category in that game, Okay. Dort, on the other hand, was 13 points, four rebounds, two assists. That's a great night from Dort, and you win the game. Okay. Clippers blowout. I was there for that game. Giddy and Dort combined for 32 points, six rebounds, eight assists. Okay. And they blew the Clippers out, who at that point were the hottest team in the NBA. They were on like a nine or 10 game win streak coming into that game. The Timberwolves, the number one seed in the West, you blow them out by 23. Giddy and Dort. 30 points, six rebounds, seven assists combined, and they blow them out. Nuggets. Now, granted, the Nuggets did not have Aaron Gordon that game. They beat the freaking Nuggets by 26. 26 points. Mm -hmm. Giddy, 12, 8, and 4. Dort, 4, 4, and 1. Okay, so not a great night for Dort, but he also didn't shoot the ball a lot that night. And then this last one, Celtics, who I still think is the best roster in the NBA. You win 127-123. Giddy was eight of 14 for 23 points, eight rebounds, six assists. Dort was four of 14, nine points, eight rebounds, one assist. All that to say, you get both of those guys by the end of the year playing consistent. Like that stat line from Giddy's insane 23 points. That's just nuts. But look, those two games that you were really at your best. About 12 to 14 points, 10, 10 to 14 points, like an efficient 10 to 14 points for those guys changes everything for this team. And if they can find that, I I will absolutely say they're not just title contenders, they're front runners. But well, so far, they have not gotten that from those two guys for more than two or three games at a time. Yeah, and look, and here's the other, here's the here's the kicker for like just to go to tonight for well, 
before I talk about tonight's stats, one, you also hear other superstars in the league. You've heard LeBron. You've heard, uh, I think even Giannis talked about it at one point in one of their games. Um, uh, who else was it that was? Some, but they're talking about Shet and they're talking about SGA and how much of a problem they are and how good they are. Like mm-hmm. the league's taking notice of yeah. those two guys, especially, right? Like those are two. SGA has arrived as a superstar. Yes. Chet superstar. is on his is on his way. Right? I don't want to put a I don't want to put that label on him in his rookie season. Right. But right now, right now he is. But I'm not saying in he's he doesn't have enough resume, I guess I would say, to be where he's an established top 20 player in the league, right? Or whatever. So um, but to go to tonight's stats, like I said, like you were talking about. Giddy was played 22 minutes. He was three from seven from the field, two from three from uh three point. He had nine points. Uh, right. Like his rest of his stats, he had two rebounds, uh, four assists, and a steal. Right. So turnovers. Uh, How many turnovers did he have? He had two. two. So two to two on the assist to turnover ratio. Yeah. So now Shea started out a little slow. I don't remember what the stats are. I'd have to go back and look again, but he did get a little bit better as the game went on. We were talking earlier because we were kind of talking about this yeah. before the pod. He was not shooting really great. He was like maybe in the 30, I think, percent range or whatever. But uh, finished the game 11 from 24 from the field, two from three from three point, uh, nine of 11 on free throws. He had 12 defensive rebounds, 13 uh, rebounds in total, eight assists. So he has a double double, very close to a triple double, uh, two turnovers. Uh, and he ended up with 33 points. Um, Chet did not have, for him, not have a great game. Like 25 minutes, five for nine, two for five for three. Uh, he only had three rebounds, one assist, and he had 12 points. He had four turnovers. So mm-hmm. Chet did not have a great game. Um, but, and I was a little worried. I, I Again, I didn't get to watch the game. I haven't read, got to read. We've been kind of just watching the stats in the game, the box score. Uh, so I don't know if he got nicked up. He didn't play a lot of the third quarter. Didn't look like he didn't even play a lot of the, like, or he played it missed a fair amount of the fourth quarter. So I don't know if he got a little dinged up or something, but, uh, but yeah, it's like really when you look at their, what about stats, Dort? What was Dort's line tonight? Uh, 29 minutes, three from seven from the field, two for three from three point. Uh, he did make all six of his free throws, uh, <laughs> four rebounds, three assists. Uh, he had, uh, no turnovers. Uh, but he did end up with four personal fouls. So how many, how many points was that? 15, 14, sorry, 14, 14 points for him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Williams, if you want to talk about somebody, uh, nine from 12, uh, or sorry, nine for 12 and from, uh, the field through one, uh, one three point made. I only had two of five from free throw. Uh, Ooh, that's bad for re- him. Three rebounds, six assists, four steals, 21 points. Wow. So free throws for them tonight was really the Achilles heel because Shea don't miss. He's got yep. two misses and J-Dub has got Giddy, three Giddy misses. Was, Giddy was one for two on his. Chad didn't have any. Uh, and the only other person I shot with, Casey Wallace, had two, but he made both of his. Yeah, Casey Wallace had 15 points. Dude, that kid's a baller, man. He's Wiggins, a baller. Wiggins had 13. I mean, it's just crazy. Like, you can't... That's what I'm saying. This is the difference is... I think this is like maybe the evolution of the NBA to a some degree. Maybe that I'm hoping that that's the maybe this is the sunshine in me them being a little ahead of the curve. Uh, where again you don't like you have Shea, Shea who's a superstar, but like when you look at this roster, you look at the stat line, 
it's like everybody's kind of balanced out. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, okay, well, you know, Giddy's out, so we're screwed. Right. right? Like, you you can throw a ton of guys out there. It's very, like, we talked about it being positionless basketball. Um, It's just crazy. Every time you pull up the stat sheet, there's somebody that did really well. You know, uh, Wiggins, right? Like, not, not no dog on Wiggins, but it's like most other teams, Wiggins not putting up 13 points. Right. Or, or a case in Wallace may, may not be yeah. right. Like they, they get a lot more stats. I think they, they commit there. They contribute a lot more. I think that's, uh, Dagnall's just genius as the, his degree and of, obviously to Presti. So very interesting team. I'm very, like I said, I I'm obviously high on them. I want to get, we got to have another, I know we're going to eventually, we got to have one with Troy. Cause I know Troy's the thunder expert. So yeah. He he understands the game better than we do, and he follows it a lot tighter than we do. So yeah, it'd be great to to bring him in. Um, we had had a moment to do a whole bunch of around the world type stuff, um, but man, we've gone for like two hours. <laughs> have so, we really? Yes. Um, we we have been on it. Hey, it's uh, okay, sponsors. We're, we're, we're going to do a longer spot. You know, we'll, we'll plug you three times in a yeah, pod. Yeah, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Ed's, so. Ed's, Ed's used car and tire shop. See, we can get it. We can start practicing. Right. So, um, yes. but yeah, um, we are all about it. Um, but man, we just, I mean, it's crazy. We've only taken a week off from doing a pod. There was just so much. I mean, yeah. with the Under Armour game, the Alamo Bowl, I mean, so much to recap and talk about and, and work Maybe. our way through. Maybe we can do a reaction pod to uh, the the national championship next week. Uh, we absolutely should do that. And by the way, we are—I can't say it's like confirmed. I don't have a contract, but it is—it is in print that Braden Willis has said that he will come on when the season's over for the 49ers. and um, we're super excited right. about that. Um, which could be could be a minute. Yeah, uh, 49ers look really good. Real good. Uh, yeah, real good. The 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 NFL is actually really entertaining this year. it's fun right now but i i tell you what if it, it's very hard for me to believe that if the 49ers are clicking on all cylinders that anybody can beat them okay. but just the last thing and then we can wrap this up who if you had to vote right now for mvp of the nfl who are you voting for who, McCaffrey. Who you I, I might vote tyreek i know I, he's been hurt i'm okay with that i wouldn't be mad like there are three guys for me there are three dudes, and they are the only ones that should be in the conversation. Period. McCaffrey. I do believe that Tyreek should be in that conversation, and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson should a hundred percent be in that because the the thing with Lamar forever has been it's Mark Andrews. All he can do is throw the tight end that's got a mismatch. Well, guess what? He'd been hurt, and it hadn't done. And they do not have a running back there. He is passing the ball. He's running the ball. Dude's playing out of his mind, man. Like, playing great football. And it's like no one's talking about it to me. They're still talking about Dak Prescott. Everybody wants to argue. Now, by the way, Brock Purdy, you deserve your applause. And by the way, everybody, this BS about Brock Purdy doesn't deserve any praise because he's on a great team. That's true of every quarterback that's ever been great. Period. Let me... You know what? I'm going to give my one of my boys a big Packer fan, right? Huge Packers fan. And I want to give a shout out. The one guy that that I'm going to I'll stamp it right now. If they keep it together and everybody stays healthy over the next few years, the team to watch the Packers. Jordan they Love is throwing. Things. Jordan Love has got like nothing but rookies 
at wide receiver. They're a super young team, and Jordan Love has honestly looked pretty good. Statistically, he's been really dang good. Yeah, especially here late in the season he has been. He kind of started slow, and then he's gotten going. Um, I agree with you. No, he's been great. Um, There's been a lot of guys, but yeah, I mean, I I understand the Brock Purdy talk, but I I mean – that Look, team is the the numbers that McCaffrey's put up are dumb, and I want him to win it just because I'm sick of it just being the quarterback, the quarterback. on the best team award, just like they yeah. do with the Heisman, and it makes me sick. Like again, and honestly, the best player still in all of the league, and he's not being talked about at all. But again, how would Brock Purdy? How would Lamar Jackson do with the receiver core that Patrick Mahomes has? Yeah, Troy's gonna love you for that one. Um, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. Nope, and that's the other thing. So you want to talk about most valuable? Where would the Chiefs be without Patrick Mahomes? Let's ask that question because that's the that's the intent of the award, right? Is the real question is where would the Chiefs be without Taylor Swift? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, Patrick Mahomes. I I don't think I do think this has been Patrick Mahomes' worst season. I mean, obviously he has nobody to throw to. Right. Um. But still, when you're throwing the ball to the other team. Well, because you're pressing, right? Yeah. Like, and yeah, I, your guys, and how many picks has he had this year that have been throws through his guys' hands that then end up in the defense's hands? I mean, I've seen yeah. at least three this year, four this year that have been that way, right? Like, it's kind of like the year that, that, um, the first year that, that Baker was kind of off to a, a rough start and like nobody was talking about the fact that the Browns were leading the NFL in drops, you know, and they're like, well, Baker's numbers. And it's like that half of them are drops, half yeah. his incompletions are drops. And then like a third of his interceptions are deflected balls that have been dropped that hey. end up as interceptions. Yeah. Well, then this will actually be my last thing. I do want to shout out the Lions should have beat the Cowboys. Everybody yes. get mad at me in this. That officiating was, I was so confused. I was like, I don't understand how you're making this mistake. Like, yeah, I'm not an official. I have, I have friends that their father is an official in the NFL. I'm not going to say who he is or anything, but I don't understand that. That was a crazy, I do feel bad for the lion fan base, but the lions look for really stinking good too. So yeah, this playoffs, this playoff shaping up to be wild, honestly. Yeah. And like, don't sleep on the Rams. I mean, like there's, there's teams out there, man. Uh, there's, yeah, we need there's the, I think the Buccaneers need, I think Baker needs to win this weekend for them to make it to the playoff. playoff if I, if I remember great. correctly. Yeah. And they're getting to play Carolina, which should, you yeah. should beat that team, right? You should beat that team and make the playoffs. And I want to see Baker win a playoff game. That would be so epic. Oh my gosh. It'd be so epic. So anyways, yeah. that's it. That's us. That's who we are. Um, again, we are not journalists. We're not insiders. We don't have paywalls. We do not have Patreon stuff. We're just dudes talking football, so we'd love for you to come along for the ride. Um, we try to do a live show every once in a while and let you get in on the action as well. So, again, like, subscribe, and follow, especially on YouTube if you want to get in on the live stuff with us. Um, that would be fantastic. And, again, your likes, your subscriptions mean a lot to us, and we're grateful for everyone that does do that stuff. And it also helps us when we do reach out to guys like Braden Willis or we reach out to other dudes that we want to be on, recruits that we want to interview. Um, gives us a little bit of clout to be able to get those guys on here. And so we hope that you'll do that for us. All right. We're having a great time. We hope you are too. I'm Daryl. That's Jared. And we will talk to you guys later. Bye, Baker.
ball. And you can unhitch the wagon. Put the ponies in the ball.